Welcome to Navigating the Spectrum with Michelle Portlock. I'm your host, Michelle Portlock, and I'm so happy to have you with me today. Today, I have Carrie Colleran, and Carrie is an ADHD specialist, and she actually owns a company called ADHD Navigator. And I want to welcome you, Carrie. Thanks for being here with me. Oh, thank you for having me. I, I've been really excited, and but I want you to be excited, listeners, with me, and I think you will be when you hear about what Carrie does. I keep referring locals to her, and everyone reports back with, she's amazing. So I want you to know what she does. So Carrie, tell me more about what you do. Well, I'm an ADHD coach, so usually it's easier to start with what I'm not. Okay, that's good. <laughs> because a lot of people think I'm like an executive coach tutor. Mm. Um, sometimes people think I'm a therapist. But coaching is very different. Coaching takes people where they are and we figure out where they want to go and we just move forward. So Mm -hmm. it's not about looking back. It's really just about moving people forward. So I work with kids, usually 11 through college. Mm -hmm. I have some, you know, a little bit younger. I work with some young adults that are graduated, but that's my general area. And I really just try to help people figure out how their brain works, start understanding their own ADHD, because we're all different. Once you've met one ADHD person, you've met one ADHD person. (laughs) And so, you know, we try to figure out their own ADHD and how to start using it instead of fighting it every day. Mm -hmm. So I meet with kids once a week, usually sometimes once every other week. Um, I also teach parent classes at the Parker Rec Center um, to help educate people about ADHD. And I do staff development days at local schools in Douglas County as well. I know. I love that you do that. Well, I love all the things that you do, but I... I just, I just think parents need to better understand. I think back in the day when ADHD was just becoming a familiar or a recognized diagnosis, people thought it was literally kids bouncing off the walls that just couldn't calm down. And we kind of know that's just not true. That could be something we see, but that doesn't mean that it's what's always there with a child that has ADHD. So I love that you're training and teaching because we need it. We need it badly. Yeah. My own son is inattentive and I mean, he's 26 now, but back when he was diagnosed back in fifth grade, I just would have never guessed because he's not hyperactive. He's never a distraction to anybody else, only to himself. So I agree that if I had have had more insight back then, I would have realized that, you know, that was going on earlier. And I would have realized that I'm ADHD earlier. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> what and good information. I'm still waiting for someone to diagnose me. <laughs> I can't do that, but I know people that can. I know. Thank you. <laughs> so I want to ask you maybe what we're saying now leads into this next question, which is why is your work important to you? What is it that drew you to do what you're doing? It's such a funny story because since I've been ADHD my whole life, obviously, I guess it wasn't obvious to me. Mm -hmm. And when my son was diagnosed, really just getting him through high school, the two of us together, you know, just trying to get through each day and each assignment and each project. And when he went off to college, I realized that I really didn't prepare him for life after high school and succeeding with his ADHD. And so that's when my husband really encouraged me to go back to college because I was looking for what I wanted to do once my kids were grown. Mm -hmm. And once I got into 
the ADCA program, which is where I did my ADHD training, I decided to do that instead of getting a master's degree. Mm-hmm. I, it all came to me like this explains my life. Mm. And I thought, wow, I, I really want to help kids understand this, you know, so that they can be more successful and not feel so discouraged. It just gave me this passion of really wanting to help kids get through, you know, all the struggles of ADHD and start embracing it. And Mm -hmm. that's when I started my work. And now I'm, you know, the, the further into it, I get the more passionate I become about educating others and, you know, helping kids with their 504 plans and making them work well for them. And, you know, more of the whole picture. Oh, I love that. I love that so much because there's so much to know, so much to understand. And so many, I think executive functioning skills. I think when we talk about executive functioning, sometimes people don't really know what that means, what those are, what that looks like. And I think I bring that up because when you have, when you are neurodivergent, you often, which ADHD is, you often lack in some of those executive functioning skills. And I'm guessing that you do a lot of work helping youth work on some of those executive functioning skills. Yeah. And the important piece is that you know, a lot of people think of executive functioning as the cognitive side of executive functioning, which is time management and organization, you know, the, the obvious things, you know, mm-hmm. why is their homework in the bottom of their backpack? Like that's lack of executive functioning. But sometimes we forget that there's the emotional side of executive function and that's yes. behavioral side and the emotional regulation and you know, our sensory overload and those sorts of things and impulse control. And Mm -hmm. those things are equally as important. I agree. And it's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because I look at my youngest child and she was recently diagnosed with ADHD, but I, I wondered if she might be autistic, but she has ADHD because something I didn't know about ADHD is that that dysregulation that you were talking about, that emotional piece, that social emotional piece. I didn't know that it could fall under the ADHD umbrella. That kind of blew my mind. And I, I, so what I want to ask you to help me do is to pull apart the differences between ADHD and autism spectrum disorder. It's, they're very tangled. The webs we weave, um, <laughs> you know, it really is. We have a lot of things in common. Um, you know, we're, we both ADHD um, and ASD are quick to avoid low interest activities. Um, we may be self-centered. We have heightened sensory responses. And, you know, when you look at brain scans of both, they're actually very similar. Um, the brain scans. So they are very connected. And, you know, I have a a good friend and colleague, Dr. Nicole Barash, and she was explaining Mm -hmm. to me that it really is such a spectrum. And it makes more sense the more you work with these kids where, you know, the autistic kids tend to fixate on order. They tend Mm -hmm. to fixate on things being the same. ADHD kids and adults tend to prefer change. We get board of things. And then we want things to be constantly changing and constantly different. Okay. Um, you know, the, uh, the autistic kids might have more trouble with eye contact that can help happen with ADHD as well, but you can usually kind of tell the difference. 
mm-hmm. um, where, you know, my ADHD kids, they're more just kind of off in their own world. So they might not be necessarily avoiding it because it's uncomfortable, but they might mm-hmm. be just not thinking of it. You know, and what, what I see with kids I work with ADHD, people can tend to be black and white thinkers. We can tend to be kind of rigid. I, that That's not true for me, but it's true for a lot. Mm-hmm. But when I start working with a kid and they are extremely rigid, mm-hmm. very black and white thinking that that's a red flag for me. I think, Hmm. Okay, hold on a second. This might be more of an autism thing. So it really is that um, spectrum, which yeah. and it is hard. You really do need a professional to weed that out mm-hmm. um, if if it's not severe. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. I could talk to you about this all day because I have, you know, my oldest is autistic, but not does not have ADHD. And then I have another child who's autistic with ADHD. And then my youngest is ADHD, not autistic that we know so far. (laughs) So I honestly, at some point just stopped trying to pull it all apart because it was, I just kept saying, well, a lot of these needs are met through similar services, but is that even true? No, I, well, I'm not really sure. I, there's some kids that coaching in the way that I coach for ADHD Mm -hmm. isn't as helpful with the autism piece. Mm -hmm. If it's really, if it's really significant. True. Um, That's true. I was thinking more of autistic kids with lower support needs. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I I just was reading last night, actually, that, um, that they have, they're, they're beginning to think that it's really from the same gene so that it's passed on. Um, like if you had two ADHD parents, you're more likely to have an autistic or ADHD kid, both. And I oh, thought that, that is fascinating. I know. I was like, Whoa, what? I gotta, I gotta talk to my pros about that. And you're one of them. So we'll have to ch- chat about that. <laughs> but, um, you know, I do think really it's what are the behaviors and what with coaching it's does the child see that it's an issue does the child see that they that they want change Mm -hmm. and you know i am working with a few kids that i think are borderline on the autistic spectrum but they Mm -hmm. see how their rigid behavior is holding them back and they're trying to change that and so coaching with them for that Mm -hmm. okay that makes sense yeah there's a little maybe a little more self-reflection that, yeah. that exists. Okay. That makes yeah. so much sense to me. This is fascinating. I I'm like hanging on your every word. I'm like, what else Carrie? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm loving it. What advice would you give to parents raising a child with ADHD? I think that the first thing I would say is try to hold your sense of humor. Yes. <laughs> because yes. otherwise you just might have to kill them and that would be sad, but you got <laughs> to keep that sense of humor going. Um, you know, we, my son and I would have funny ways of pulling each other back and we use humor so that, you know, if we're overreacting to something, mm-hmm. we can, we can kind of pull, pull each other back without getting upset over that. So, you know, kind of say a joke that kind of brings you back. I also, ADHD people hate to be told what to do. And we think we're way too cool for routines and structure, but what we need to survive are routines and structure. Yeah. So it's really a, it's a, it's a catch 22, but if you can have kids help you create that 
routine and structure so that they feel that they're in charge of that. Mm -hmm. There's non-negotiables. These are the things that we expect of you in this family, but then allowing them to help come up with the routine and structure around that, especially for boring tasks. We need, mm. we need routines for boring things because the last thing I want to do with something boring is think about it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want somebody else nagging me about it. I don't want it you know, over my head. I just want to do it without having to think too much about it. So I have routines for those things. That's, and, will you give me an example of that? Yeah. So I, I hate unloading the dishwasher. I don't know why, but I do. <laughs> and now my kids keep moving out. And so I have to do it myself. So <laughs> when I get up in the morning, I start my coffee. And while my coffee is brewing, I go unload the dishwasher. If it has mm. clean dishes in it, I just do it right then while my coffee is brewing. It's a routine mm-hmm. that I've created because I hate doing it. So that then, first of all, I don't think about doing it. And secondly, when I'm finished, I have my sparkly coffee, which is yay. Um, <laughs> you know, so things like that where I, or, you know, I with with taking my medication, where do I put that? How do I create a routine around that? I put it by my mm-hmm. toothbrush. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when kids have homework, you know, to think of, what routines they already have in their day. Some kids only have meal times as a routine in their day or what time they get home from school. Mm-hmm. You have to start building off of existing routines and start building onto those so that, okay, mm-hmm. you know, right before dinner, I take my shower because I hate taking a shower, which I love taking a shower, but you know, some people, some kids hate it. So it makes it where you just, it takes it off your plate. You don't think about it. You just, so you're using a task that you already do to cue a task you may not want to do. Yes. Okay. That is so helpful. I love that trick. Actually, I'd call it a tool. Well, it could be a trick too. Yeah. Um, Trick of the trade. (laughs) Tricks are tools. Tricks are tools. So I, I, I love that. I actually have posted about that, but I love hearing you use it in the real world and what that looks like for you. And, you know, when you think about your, when parents think about what kind of accommodations their kids need at school, my other piece of advice is really, you know, don't just take what they give you because they, they tend to give you very basic things. You know, you can have longer testing time. You can have, you know, be pulled out for testing. Well, some kids don't need that. And a 504 is such a flexible document that you can really be creative with it and do things that your kid would actually use and that would help them with impulse control or with lack of focus, you know, having a counselor card to leave when you feel dysregulated and skip out and get a pause for a second, Mm -hmm. or, you know, having headphones on during independent work time, those all could be in a 504 as well. So I would encourage parents to get a little bit creative. Mm, I love that. You want really want to make it individualized, And I think that's the only thing that makes it helpful. And they have to be part of planning it because we don't Mm -hmm. like to be told what to do. Yes. Well, uh, that's interesting because my son has a 504 and I, I mean, I actually somewhat created the 504 for him when he was in elementary school with his teachers, but as he's gotten older, he, when we meet for that 504 meeting, he'll say, I don't really need that. And that's not even helpful. And, yeah. and I'm thinking, I'm glad he's giving his input because some of it was generic. Mm-hmm. And so it is more tailored to him now. And also it changes over time. Too. Exactly. And you don't have to have a meeting every time you want to change. So yeah, you, know, you want to add something or take it off. You just send an email and done. 
Okay. I love this. This is so good. So am I missing any other advice that you might give to parents? Really starting to recognize what you know, and, and learn and educate yourself about the realities of ADHD, because it's not just impulse control, lack of focus and hyperactive, you know, you mm-hmm. have time, you know, that we have no sense of linear time whatsoever. Um, <laughs> you know, we have more issues with social situations of not reading the room or not really kind of picking up on social cues. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are going with ADHD. If your kid isn't making friends or constantly feeling like they're not part of the group, that's part of ADHD too. So the more you learn, the more you can offer support and help for your kid. I love that. So Carrie, now that everyone is has drunk your tea and they, and they want to be a part of your world. How do they get in touch with you? Um, I have a webpage, www.adhdnavigator.net. Okay. Um, and it has all my contact information on it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm really active on Facebook under ADHD Navigator. That's where I put, and I, I'm also on LinkedIn, but that's where I put a lot of articles that I write about okay. all of these things. Oh, well, I need to follow you on LinkedIn. I don't know how I missed that. (laughs) I don't put as much on LinkedIn as I do on when I'm thinking about people that, that find me, it's usually moms. Mm -hmm. And so I put a lot of stuff on Facebook because that's more of a platform that most, you know, most moms are on Facebook, whether they use it regularly or not. Okay. I do have one more question for you. And that is, do you work with families outside of the state of Colorado? Oh, yeah. I have probably, I, I probably right now work with like 25 kids a week. Okay. Um, and cause I do work on Saturdays as well. Mm-hmm. And most of my college kids are out of state. Okay. And then I do have, I have probably six or seven high schoolers that are also out of state. So okay. I work on zoom and then I work in person in Parker. Well, just get ready for a huge influx (laughs) because I have about 10 people. As soon as you said, yes, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, Carrie's in for it. (laughs) It really depends on the kid. You know, if the kid mm -hmm. can work well on Zoom, I'm all in. That's fine. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. So, okay, Carrie, thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate all of the things that you've shared and I'm super excited for people to learn more about you and what you do. Well, thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. No, it was great. And for those of you that are listening, you can also find me on Instagram at navigating.the.spectrum. Catch you next week.